What up, what up, what up? Welcome to Between Two Posts with Kyle and Everett. And, uh, you know, it's a great day to listen to a podcast. It's a great day to have a day. It is. Every day is a great day to have a day until, uh, until you don't. But how are you doing, Ev? I'm good, man. I actually are you, have, are you having a day? Oh, every day. I'm just <laughs> getting after it. You know what? I wake up in the morning and I think, how many how many gowns can I fold at work today? And I go in there and I am the fastest folder in the nation. I challenge, I would challenge anybody. I'd put like two grand on the line that I'm the fastest folder. Really? Yeah. Two I grand. mean, that's all I have right now. So I'm really, yeah. I mean, that's a lot more than it sounds, but yeah. No, that's a, that's a lot to, to fold gowns, you know, I, I respect to that. If you did a sec, six, well, no, I don't know what a good competition would be, but like, let's say like five minutes, I, I guarantee I could outlast anybody. Yeah. I got great form. I got great technique. It's uh, well, I, it's an art. I got a, I got a thousand dollar bet right now with my brother. He thinks uh, if we played pickup basketball, he would, he would skunk me 10 rep. So uh, all I have to do is score, score one point. Uh, quick pause here. Does your brother even have a thousand dollars? Ah, uh, probably not. So even if, even if I uh, do get my one point, it's it's not real money. He's gonna pay me a monopoly money. Yeah, it's either that or Broken Bauer uh, team sticks, huh? <laughs> I'm just gonna get a bunch of bunch of null team sticks as payment. But. Stolen gloves. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what's new with you? Uh, you know, not not too much. Just uh, living life, I guess. Have one you? Have you kept up on the Jordan, the last dance? I have. I have. I think that's, that's actually how our, our bet started. We were watching that and got a little competitive. I said, I could, I could easily get a point, but um, no, it's been good. And I honestly, after watching it, it's, I, I feel like I've always been a, on the Jordan side of things compared to LeBron, but I, I really think people who were on LeBron before have to start asking some, some hard questions right now after seeing the Jordan special. Yeah, I mean, you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, am I really siding with LeBron over everything that Michael Jordan has put together? But my biggest takeaway with MJ through, well, I have two. One would be people as a fan loved MJ because he won, you know, he had this great outer personality. But at the end of episode, I think seven, when he starts to kind of like, he broke down at the end. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. It's and the thing I think I like most about MJ, because because I'll be honest, I'm I don't know like a ton about basketball, but his compete level in every single thing he did is is just incredible. And I think he's one of those guys he could have like like they said in baseball, like give him another year, he'd probably make it to the MLB. And like everything he did, whether it was golf or a card game on the plane, like this guy, he had to win. And that's just such a I mean. I guess it's a positive and negative mentality. Like in, in sports, obviously it's going to get you to the highest level possible and a lot of success. But I think why he's breaking down was because he realized, you know, it, it definitely impacted his, his teammates and maybe friendships and kind of took a little bit away from him as a, like being a good guy. And that, I mean, right there, the, that last word, last two words, good guy. I was talking to him about it, my mom, and I was getting really into it because the fans loved him because of what they saw and what he accomplished, but you don't understand how, like, I don't know how to put it in a nice way, but he's like, he's a freak. MJ mentally was above everybody else. And that's what allowed him to do that. His mentality 
and his drive to be the very best on all aspects of his life, whether it was like like gambling away money on golf, um, at the casinos, playing basketball. He drove himself to be the very best, but he also influenced everyone around him. Now, does it come at a cost? Absolutely, because as you start to listen to those relationships and the fight he got in with Steve Kerr, like, that's crazy, right? Like the average person, like a pedestrian thinks that's nuts. But at the end of the day, what did he walk away with? How many rings? That's all that needs to be said. I mean, I guess, and I guess that that does make him, you know, that that's what made him so good. But at the same time, I would never want to play with, with someone like that. Who's, who's your captain? Like imagine McDavid, uh, like, I feel like he's so free flowing and just, you know, he's there to help you. He's probably a more lead by example guy. Um, imagine a guy like that just on you if you miss a pass, like, or or just any little mistake. It just seems like he was always on you. So I, that's a lot of pressure to. But if you walk away with a Stanley Cup, is it worth it? That's the question. If you do three, if you run a three peat, was it worth it? Those are what you give up. Yeah. That's the sacrifice, right? Yeah. That's true. I, I guess it's it's tough because in the moment you're nothing's guaranteed, so you know you're going you're going through all that without knowing. I'm sure at the end of the road, once you lift that trophy, like it's you know oh, it's so no sweet. feeling, and it's that it's little so thing. sweet exactly. And and whatever little mishaps happen along the way are just mean nothing compared to what you've accomplished. So um, yeah, it's it's a tough debate to have, but um, I've really enjoyed the documentary. But on the other side of it, to your point, say you get swept in the first round of the finals, could you imagine how bitter you'd be looking back? Oh, at- well, that is, here's the thing. <laughs> Let's say this. If Jordan if Jordan didn't win as much as he did, he's just an asshole. That's all oh, he did. 100%. <laughs> but, but, you know, things worked out. He won exactly. how many rings. He's got two handfuls, like yeah. pretty crazy. But the, the last part that really, really hit home for me was – my senior year, my dad was uh, diagnosed with cancer, and it was something serious within the throat level three. So it was kind of one of those things like, oh, shit, we don't know like what's going to happen. Doctors don't know. like, you know, He can fight it. He can make it. He might not. It's pretty serious. But when he started talking about how he lost his dad, came back, and you always saw that picture of Jordan. like You've seen it in magazines, ESPN, everything like that where he's crying with the basketball, right? Yeah. He's in the trainer's yeah. room, he's on the floor. When you look at that without the audio, everyone thought, and me including, included, you just thought, oh, man, like he's just overcome with emotion. He just won another one. Like this is crazy. Mm-hmm. But then when they showed it and like you start thinking about – and they, because they drove it home. The documentary was great. They drove it home. Every time you walked into the room after they had won, who did you see? His dad was smiling with the championship yeah. hat on in the room with him, or he was next to Jordan. And then you yeah. think you and you hear like, "Oh shit!" Like this is the first time he had won it. And you walk into the room, and you and you know he's thinking about it the whole game as you know clocks ticking down. You finally get to the room, and your dad's not there. Like that, that one really. Yeah. Well, you saw the shot of him just like crying on the floor. Like I felt so bad for him there, and it's just, I don't. know. It's crazy, but um. I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but um, we'll, we'll kind of re gear up um, back into hockey. And today we actually had on—is that what we talk about here? Yeah, I know we got we got lost down there in the like a went down one of those rabbit holes with that happens sometimes. But today we did have on Cal Peterson of the Los Angeles Kings. Um, Ever heard of him? 
Yeah. Uh, and the show, pretty cool to to hear from a guy who didn't exactly come from a from a big uh, town with you know where you might have a ton of exposure. He definitely had to to work his way up to to where he did and had a pretty crazy path too, being the captain of his college team at Notre Dame. Um, then a, f- a few really solid years in the A had two time all-star, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, he was a stud coming up, tearing up pro. He dominated college. He, and he plays full, right. Which is to me a little weird, but goofy. you know what? Goofy. Cal's a good guy. He seems like he's all there. He's not as weird as a lot of those full rights are, but uh, yeah, I was, it was pretty cool to talk with him about LA and what he's got going on and his love for Legos and, his beliefs and aliens and you know all that kind of stuff so uh i guess there's no better person to hear it from than the man himself we'll send it over cal peterson at 6-1 from waterloo iowa two-time ahl all-star and current goaltender for the los angeles kings it's an ovo ting eh? cal peterson welcome to the pod yeah what's going on guys thanks for having me no problem how's it been so far uh it's been good that was a great intro i uh I didn't expect all that detail. <laughs> Just trying to my, get you going. You have, my, uh, you have my height wrong, though. I keep getting screwed on the height. Oh, really? What is it? We'll have to. I like to think I'm closer to six three, but they they keep taking my height and weight from uh, my draft year. So oh. I I want to say that I grew a little bit more. I'm not a little guy. I was gonna say I I felt like you were a little bit taller than six one, but yeah, no, it's kind of good. Keep people guessing. We'll get the league on the line, and uh, we'll get you remeasured because who knows? That's a bigger pad, you know? A couple inches there. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that would help out a lot. Bigger arms. Oh, man. Um, So, first off, uh, clearly a big Drake fan, huh? Yeah, yeah. Huge, huge Drake fan. Kind of been one uh, growing up. This was actually my first year. I didn't put the little OVO owl on the back of my head. Oh, it's not on there? No, I I figured, I don't know, I maybe should just kind of – grow out of it a little bit but i have a little something on there where do you mix it in uh i just have it just on the inside of the mask it's just again just like a little sticker of it oh that's sick yeah it's not it's not as too uh prevalent as it was kind of on my last couple masks yeah the entire back plate up <laughs> yeah yeah that was the one i had in water I, I used the whole back plate up but that, i don't know it's gotten smaller and smaller ever since then Less less of a fan or just trying to No, same amount of a fan. I don't know. Maybe if you would recognize it and you know, give me a little shout out or something like that, I'd keep it going, but now it's just kind of a little something smaller. Well, we'll add Drake after this and see if we can get you a little shout out there, right? Yeah, yeah, see what he thinks. Yeah, we're pretty well connected. Now that you're in LA, maybe you gotta get Bieber on there. I know, I know. He kinda pops into a couple of our games every now and again. So but he's I don't know, more committed to the Toronto thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He's he's buddies with Matthews, I guess, so. Yeah, yeah. The one game he came to, I don't think Toronto even scored a goal, so it's kind of a tough tough outing for him. Were you playing that game? No, no, I got a front row seat. Cookie had a big game, so that was fun to see. Nice little shutout. You can't can't let it go unnoticed, though. I mean, when you're on the bench, you still got some responsibilities, you know. It's – that's a, it's a big role to play even in the NHL. Yeah, yeah, you definitely have to uh, talk a little bit more, kind of give guys a couple heads up. I wasn't really used to ever doing that too much on the bench. So guys are uh, – there's a little bit more expectations, I guess, than just 
passing water bottles out and stuff. <laughs> got to you got to chip in there a little bit, right? Yeah, you have to feel like you're part of the game and you know, tell guys when they're about to get ran or something like that. So, you just do your part. For are you sure. a t- are you a towel guy when you're backing up? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not a towel guy. I think my chest is uh, is big enough around the neck. I'd like suffocate myself. So <laughs> I just keep things as is. I got a big enough neck protector too. It keeps me all uh, toasty. Smart, smart. So with the whole Drake thing, I just wanted to ask, what's one of your favorite Drake beefs that he's had in the past? True beefs. Um, he's had a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that one, I think the one with uh, Meek Mill definitely produced the best uh, songs. I mean, yeah. I think, what do you have back to back? Sick. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just a classic song that stemmed from that. And um, yeah, I don't know. I would say that one's the best one. It, it definitely put out the best, uh, the music, best music from that. That's unreal. Yeah, that's uh, he had a lot of hot tracks. Him and Meek were going back and forth for a while there, and the music there was just bumping. Um, but I was talking to Berkey before we hopped on here, Cal, and uh, I knew you grew up in Waterloo, but apparently he told me your dad would travel or fly you out to Minnesota growing up just to play hockey because there was like nothing around in Waterloo. Yeah, so when I was younger, um, kind of growing up, I was like 13, 14. Um, I got to play triple A. I was asked to play on like a triple A team. Um, you know, so we were playing all the big programs, you know, like the mission and all the Detroit teams. And yeah. that was kind of my first, um, you know, chance to play with some bigger, bigger name players and kind of get out there. And, um, but it was a commitment. Like we had to drive like three hours up to the cities, like three times a week, um, oh, really? for, for practices. And then, um, yeah. And then my dad kind of had a small, you know, single engine plane or whatever. And if it was a nice day or something like that, he'd occasionally, you know, be able to leave work early and fly me up there, which cut down the time a little bit. It was still a a commitment, but it cut it down. But the only issue was it had to be nice to do that. So it was a pretty uh, rare event whenever that was, was able to happen. So you had the private jet treatment early on, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as a, as a PJ, but it was something uh, at least that put me in the air and got me back and forth. So you got all your all your gear on there too when you fly back? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, it was small. It was only big enough for just two of us. So it was uh, – and he piloted himself. So it was that and then our gear. And, um, but like I said, a lot – there was a lot more uh, – miles spent on the road than there were in the air for sure for sure yeah those those drives getting up into the cities aren't as bad as people think um i don't think people realize how close waterloo is to minnesota and getting into like minneapolis st paul but i did notice you ended up with the cya um for u18s and like 11 12 Uh, how'd you end up in chicago um yeah so i had uh I came back to Waterloo my freshman year of high school and mm-hmm. I actually played JV hockey in Waterloo. Um, okay. Yeah. I didn't, didn't play a second of varsity hockey, um, <laughs> which is, <laughs> is kind of odd. Um, but anyway, I did that. And so I would play JV practice with the varsity and practice with Blackhawks uh, every day. So I had like three practices and the coach there, PK O'Hanley, you know, mentioned the opportunity with, this team in, in Chicago, if we wanted to do it. 
Um, so I had to make a decision and we ended up deciding to do it. I think it was my junior or it was my sophomore year of high school. And, um, we were able to get over there kind of, uh, bounce around a little bit, was able to find a home to rent, um, with a family that was moving out into a different home. Um, was able to rent a house there in Wheaton, Illinois, and, uh, kind of played a first year there in Chicago. And then the next year, um, I was a little bit up and down with Waterloo. So I didn't, um, kind of know where I was going to be. So I lived with a teammate for a little bit of the year, um, spent a fair amount of time in a couple hotels and, uh, then was able to find, uh, an apartment with, um, you know, either my mom or dad to stay, stay there until, uh, for the rest of the season. Man, so playing out of Waterloo or wanting to play hockey out of Waterloo has got to be pretty tough because you've been a journeyman since like day one then. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of, uh, I guess when I was younger playing minor hockey, I kind of had to leave home and then I was lucky to come back for uh, juniors and play at home. So it's kind of, I guess, a little bit of an opposite journey as, uh, as most guys my age. For sure. Now, when you were in Chicago, did you ever get your uh, little chance to taste Portillo's? Oh, yeah. I had Portillo's quite a bit. <laughs> I have, uh, they had some, I don't know, like pasta, the vodka I used to have all the time for pregame there. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, they're hot dogs and shakes. It's it's hard to beat. Yeah, for sure. Now, where would you can like, where would you compare that to In-N-Out? What's better? See, I'm not a huge In-N-Out fan. Thank um, God. They have good, I mean, I think they have a pretty solid burger, but I mean, they're, I don't like their fries at all. They're they're pretty tough um they just it's overrated right old. Yeah, yeah they taste old it tastes like they've been there for a while but <laughs> you know it's it's a good mix of i don't know how many hot dogs you can really have you know yeah. or Italian beef sandwiches before your heart gets clogged up so those are <laughs> those are usually two spots i kind of like to stay away from when i can yeah being a pro athlete you probably want to avoid that it's a little treat here and there but most yeah. times you're uh probably going to somewhere a little bit healthier than the local In-N-Out joint. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say, the, the thing about In-N-Out is I think everyone hypes it up so much because the first time I had it, I was just going in expecting this to be the best burger I've ever had. And I just the the averageness of the burger just yeah. immediately, you're like, oh, all right. So Yeah, like I've had, I've had plenty of better burgers. Exactly. Oh just God. it's sloppy. It's like a sloppy yeah. burger. It wasn't not not my type, but uh Yeah. Yeah, hopefully in and out's not listening if they wanted to. <laughs> well, uh, is is Culver's pretty big in uh where your hometown is in uh Waterloo? Yeah, it's really big. I yeah, I used to eat that place me and my roommate and, uh, and juniors used to eat there a lot. Cuz I, I would say that's way better than in and out. Oh yeah. 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 Easily. Hands down. Less of the hype, better chicken fingers too better fries i mean i think that i think that's kind of top of the line when it comes to fast food oh yeah well culver's uh we're looking for our ads (laughs) (laughs) you guys are ready just shoot us a little dm Um, yeah but i think not to chirp the west coast because i live in the midwest so comparing uh being out on the west coast i would kill but in and out's just it's like such an la thing it's an aesthetic thing right like it just looks cool and that's why everybody loves it i think because the food like we've all said is just completely trash it's average average at best so yeah i think it's just something i mean every time i have visitors that come out or even my family they're like yeah you know let's go to in and out let's i want to try it and i think there's kind of the nostalgia with it with it comes but uh 
I don't know. Like I said, I don't think it's uh, the best food there <laughs> by far. But you I mean, know. if you're in LA, what are you going to do? I mean, you don't, you don't eat fast food in LA. You got to go to the little spots and that's where you get the best food. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now you played junior in Waterloo, obviously for three years. Did you live at home during that time or were you billeting? Yeah, I just lived at home. Um, and we uh, billeted like two guys on my team. They just lived in my basement with me. And um, the first guy was uh, Ian McCaution. He's with, uh, he's in Chicago's organization now. And um, the other one is Zach Sanford with the Blues. Yep. Um, so yeah, those guys both lived with me and I was able to live at home, which was really nice. And we obviously went to a lot of Blackhawks games growing up and, you know, my family was, you know, that was always a tradition to go to those games. So it was a pretty special time to just be able to wake up in my own bed and head to games. For sure. And not to mention a little Clark Cup in 2013-14. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It went all the way, uh, went all the way to the finals and uh, lost in game five, which was tough um, at home. I actually lost to like one of my good buddies on L.A. who I've lived with, Matt Roy. He was on Indiana when we, uh, we lost to him. But that was a pretty sick run. Yeah, it was unreal. Was that with when you were with Cam Johnson or was that a different year? Nope. Yeah, that was me and Cam. Um, so we were together on that team. Um, he's a great guy too. I love that guy. How big of a beauty is he? <laughs> he's a great guy. I just remember, uh, you know, he, he had a Taco Bell addiction, I think back then. <laughs> Speaking of fast food restaurants, he was always grabbing Taco Bell after games, but, um, he's an awesome guy. And then obviously went on to have a, a great, uh, college career. Um, but he's a hilarious dude. I mean, I think every guy that come across it knows cam uh i mean says the same thing well then how so how did you end up at uh notre dame um yeah i mean i was kind of getting recruited a little bit by them uh when i played in chicago um you know just kind of lightly and then once i went to waterloo uh, my first year i was able to take a visit and um i mean it was it sounds cliche but i mean like the minute i was on campus i knew it was kind of where i wanted to be and I don't know if you guys have been there, but I mean, just the the history of the whole place and, you know, Compton Arena and how nice everything is. And, you know, they have such a commitment to both academics and the hockey side. I mean, I thought it was just kind of a perfect, um, perfect spot for me. And, um, you know, found that there was going to be an opportunity to play as a freshman and, and get some time. And that definitely uh, appealed to me. And um, I wanted to commit right there the first day. And, um, you know, my dad was like, hey, you know, let's think about it on the drive home. And I got home before I even walked in the door. I went out and stood in the driveway and called uh, Coach Jackson. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm coming to Notre Dame. So it was uh, definitely been the best decision I've made uh, so far, I think, in my life. Were you there, like, for your full tenure at Notre Dame, was Compton built already? Yeah, yeah. Compton had been, I think, around for three years before I got there okay okay so it's been there it's established but yeah I uh because you probably dealt with Scotty at that point he would have been the guy coming to see you at Notre Dame yeah um, yeah Scotty came quite a bit yeah but now uh now I deal with them but I when I was a kid in high school my dad had played hockey like junior B or something with coach Jackson and he had us come out for a game and wow Compton is unreal and when that student section gets going like sick place to play unreal arena unreal uh venue everything's so clean and state-of-the-art and then the room obviously is like disgusting. So, yeah, 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think it's just like the perfect college arena. It's not too big. I mean, you can get, you know, we're at least 90% full on, on any given night, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's just people from the town or, uh, you know, students and stuff like that. I mean, I just thought it was perfect. And obviously the facilities, you know, with the weight room and the stuff, it's, it's better than a lot or most of NHL spots. So it's, uh, it's hard to beat. And the gold, the gold buckets too. Yeah. Yeah. That was something that, that I really loved and I was happy. I was able to kind of add a little bit of design to it and didn't leave it plain, but that's always something that people bring up whenever they talk about Notre Dame. Those things are absolutely disgusting. So when, cause we'll like the way our process works, Dom will make the mask. We send it out. You guys get it painted and dipped. But like when you see those things up close finished, there's nothing else like it. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. I mean, that's, you know, that at least with mine, it kind of got beat up by the end of the year and it was almost <laughs> more white than, uh, than gold, but, um, saw a few pucks. Yeah. Took a couple off the chin. It doesn't, it doesn't really hold up too well, but, um, no, I mean, they're just really cool. And, you know, like you said, it's kind of a showstopper when it comes to style. Now, Kyle brought, brought it up cause you've had, you know, a pretty similar paint job as you were going up through junior and everything like that. Was it kind of tough to let that go once you got to Notre Dame? Yeah, so I kind of did a Patrick Waugh sort of inspired thing, and I was able to keep that a little bit um, at Notre Dame. You know, I wasn't able to do the full thing, but I was able to do kind of the white outline around the cage and then keep a couple of the stripes. Um, So it kind of kept the same sort of outline of it. Um, Just wasn't able to kind of do something full on with it, but um, I still kind of maintained, I guess, the style kind of all the way through. I just think it's kind of a a classic timeless style and um it, it looked really good with the gold buckets too yeah i mean when you get to throw your own mix into it and you get to put your spin on something that's so timeless like what notre dame has with gold helmets it's pretty it's pretty unique to be able to do that so that's awesome man yeah yeah and I'm, i like you know being able to kind of look back at all my masks and they kind of all run around a similar template mm-hmm. were they sure. pretty strict with your uh notre dame bucket in terms of like you have to have uh you can't have images it has to only be that gold or did they let you have some freedom yeah I actually had to press pretty hard to just be able to have those stripes on there I mean I was I was pretty adamant I was like come on like you you know we can't just have a plain gold bucket like can I please you know throw some stripes or make it a little bit interesting and um they eventually gave in and um I'm glad they did it I think the guys that are there now got a little bit more freedom to uh, kind of add a couple more things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you just kind of walk into the room and you're like, come on, it's like the Cal Peterson style. I got to have it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I was me, able to baby. Throw a little clover on the, on the chin too. Yeah. Uh, you know, which added a little bit of stuff. A little flair to it. Yeah, exactly. Stand out from the back. For sure. Yeah. So, so then your, your junior year, you got the C, which I mean, that's obviously very rare for a goaltender to be the captain of a team. What what was that like for you? It was cool. Um, you know, it was obviously a huge honor. I mean, one of the the greatest kind of honors I've had so far in my life, and um, it, it was something that uh, Coach Jackson brought up um, after my sophomore year, kind of going into my junior year. We didn't have a huge senior class, and um had a pretty substantial junior class and so a lot of our guys were 
either juniors or underclassmen. He was like, you know, is this a position that you'd be comfortable being in or um, how do you want to do it? And I said, yeah, I mean, I thought it was too good of an opportunity to, to pass up and a challenge, you know, to be a leader. And that's kind of something I've always wanted to be associated with. So, I mean, it was, like I said, a really cool honor and um, a little bit unique, obviously, too, because, you know, I can't talk to the refs or be on the bench. So it was kind of uh, leadership by committee, just, you know, with my assistant captains helping out, you know, in that way. And I was just making sure I was kind of calm and stoic and, and was somebody that guys could look to, um, you know, for some confidence during games. For sure. So it sounds like you're more of kind of a lead by example, uh, rather than being one of those vocal guys that kind of tries to get the room buzzing and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, before games, I wasn't, you know, definitely hooting and hollering or doing the hurrah. But, you know, if I, I, if I needed to say something, I think guys, you know, listened because it wasn't, you know, just, you know, mindless hurrahs and mm-hmm. chants and stuff like that. So I think that helped out. And then, you know, just tried to be the hardest working guy. And, um, you know, like you said, lead by example and um, be there for guys when they need them. I think there's a lot to be said for that, just based on, you know, you want to be the guy that's looked at as, oh, no, this is our leader. You know, Cal's in the gym. He's doing this. Cal's there early. And uh, I think when you when you come from, like, a hockey standpoint, uh, whether you're a coach or a scout, like, those are the guys you want, right? Those are the guys you need. And, you know, it just – it kind of helps take you to another level, you know, your, what what's expected of you, excuse me. Um, and then it kind of puts you on – in that position like okay like I'm the leader I got to do this I got to handle this a certain way I got to show up so that's awesome yeah and I think just goaltending in itself I mean it's a kind of position that you know has some leadership traits just built in you know being the last line of defense and Mm -hmm. um, you know usually goalies pride themselves on trying to be the hardest working guy so I think there's um, there's the ability for all goalies you know whether they're wearing the C or not to, to have those leadership qualities yeah, they run kind of like in parallels. Yeah, for sure. So then after college, uh, you're drafted drafted by Buffalo before college, but then you chose not to sign with them. Um, what went into that decision? Um, it wasn't really anything specifically with Buffalo. Just, you know, after I got drafted, I played a year of juniors and then three years of college. So the way that the CBA worked, um, you know, a team, team loses um, – like my rights, Buffalo lost my rights um, after that, my junior year at college, if I left. And I just thought it was the right time to leave, leave college. I had had some success and felt like I was ready for the next step. And, um, you know, thought that, you know, there's just not a ton of opportunities to, to reach free agency when you reach pro hockey. And I thought it was kind of a unique opportunity to make sure that I was going to the absolute right place that was kind of going to help me be become a full-time NHL goaltender and um, you know I went through the process and you know fully expected to um, potentially have the you know chance to just sign with Buffalo but um, you know the way that LA kind of had with uh, developing goaltenders and um, getting guys you know into starting positions and full-time NHLers I just thought I'd rather put you know, my eggs and, you know, the basket of development rather than the fast track to the NHL. And um, I think that's prepared me so far to, to make an impact um, right away and not have too big of a learning curve. And that makes sense too, because goalies, you know, the one thing that, you know, I think I've brought up in almost every interview we've talked about in terms of development, we're always a little bit later, right? 
Um, guys, goalies aren't ahead of the curve, and they're not traveling in terms of talent and development as fast as forwards and D guys. So in terms of taking the time and not trying to fast track yourself and burn yourself out, put yourself in a position where like if maybe if you're not fully ready, that's probably your best bet is to take a position and an idea where, you know, maybe I can go to a place like LA. They'll help train me. They'll help, you know, really season me into being ready. So when I do get my opportunity, it's not missed, you know? So that's yeah. sweet. Makes sense. Yeah, exactly. No, right, right along that thinking. I'm, I have a lot of really good coaches there, you know, with Billy Ranford and, and uh, Matt Millar and Dusty Emu last year. So, I mean, it was, uh, it's been, it's been great so far and, um, you know, it's all worked out. It's taken a little longer, but it's, uh, it's all worked out so far. No rush, baby. No rush. Now let's, uh, you know, talking about where you're at now, uh, LA is obviously the type of city that I think uh, most people would possibly call big um, dripping with culture, the music, the arts, everything. Um, but most recently coming from like South Bend before you made it to Ontario and LA, uh, what was it like moving to a city like this? Yeah, I had actually never been to LA before. Um, I took a visit um, with the team. And so that was kind of a brand new city for me and um, a brand new kind of part of the US that I wasn't familiar with really at all. So it was a bit of a, an adjustment for sure. Um, Ontario is about 50 miles outside of LA. And, um, you know, for, for anyone that's been there, I mean, it's, it's consistent concrete jungle all the way from Ontario to downtown LA to the water. So, I mean, it's, it's in a city that's just so expansive and, um, you know, that was probably something I wasn't completely prepared for just all the people. And, but, you know, now that, you know, we live by the beach and we're, uh, you know, kind of get to experience LA more and, um, the South Bay and the beaches. It's, it's a really cool city and I've learned to really appreciate it. Um, while also kind of, you know, keeping a little bubble where I spend most of my time. You, I know you're a big Drake guy, so you gotta be probably into music. What's it like being in LA now? Do you get a little bit more access to like the underground music scene or have you dipped into that at all? Yeah, I mean, I've tried to, that was kind of one of the appeals of living in LA too, is getting the chance to, you know, go to a lot of concerts. I mean, there's just always something going on. So, um, you know, I've been to a couple concerts, um, you know, some of the big names come to the forum, which is right by us. And um, so I've seen that and, um, you know, you obviously get the chance to see some DJs if you go out to the clubs and stuff. And um, it's just, you know, it's just a, it's just a town where there's always something going on and, you know, whether it's a Monday night that you have off or a Wednesday or even Sunday, I mean, you, you can always find uh, some trouble to get into. What's the, uh, what's the craziest show you've been to? Um, I mean, I obviously saw Drake, um, last year. Um, sick. Yeah. Post Malone was really good. Oh, Posty. Uh, yeah. He was really good. Uh, I had a couple that I was kind of, you know, hoping to go to, um, went to a couple country concerts on the beach, um, down in Huntington. Um, so, I mean, it's just a lot of going on, you know, a lot of stuff going on, you know, saw a couple, you know, DJs, um, at some smaller venues. Um, like I said, I mean, it's, it's something's kind of going on every single night. Um, it's just kind of a matter of, you know, how tired you want to be for practice the next morning. <laughs> yeah. So and I'm sure coach ain't happy about that. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. your what's keep it under wraps? What's your take on the Taylor Swift banner then? 
yeah, I think they started taking it down. Um, I'm pretty sure for, for the games, I've, I've stopped realizing, um, that it's there. Uh, but obviously I hadn't played in Staples Center, you know, too much when that banner was up, but yeah, it's helped out a little bit. We weren't doing too great while that thing was up. So was that, was that, did that originate in the room or was that more of a fan driven thing to get it taken down? Um, I think it was kind of a fan and organization thing. I, I mean, they, they, I guess there was a little bit of a curse, you know, they say about, you know, they haven't won a cup or whatever since that, that banner went up. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm fine, with, I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, it's nothing against hers, you know, but I guess when it's us or the Lakers or the Clippers playing, I think people kind of want to see that as, you know, a sporting arena and not exactly. a concert venue. So, Cal, when you were in uh, the U show, yeah, Berkey said you definitely, one, got fined for wearing Vaughn, even though it was no logos, but two, did you get sussed? <laughs> no, uh, you mean for wearing uh, for wearing the Vons? Yeah, did yeah. you get suspended? No, luckily I was able to avoid that. Um, I did have to kind of de-logo the pads, and um, I think I actually threw on a Reebok sticker to try and become compliant, but I don't think uh, I don't think Mike Vaughn liked that very much. So it's uh, I've shown a lot of loyalty to you guys for the past couple of years. For forever, not the past couple of years, dude. Like forever. <laughs> I was I was scrolling through your Insta and you had a picture of you when you might have been like U twelves, and you had like the Vaughn Vision pads on and everything. I'm like, man, this guy's been a, a ride or die for forever. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Those were uh, those were the OGs. Um, I might have to make up a make up kind of a retro pad like that, you know, to to bring it back to the old days. Oh, there's Sick. some ideas. Well, we were looking back in the. Uh, those V graphics that you had were unreal too. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was pretty cool. I mean, I just, like I said, you know, long gears just kind of always worked with me and, um, you know, I appreciate the care that kind of goes into it. And, um, you know, it feels like everything's made with a purpose and it's not something that's just, you know, flying off the shelves at a factory. And, um, so I mean, I think there's a legitimate difference between that and the other, uh, the other brands out there. So, I don't think you're going to be losing me anytime soon. We like to think we put a little love into it for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's nice. It's hand handcrafted with love. Uh, absolutely. Like have you ever been to the shop? I have not. No. Oh, never. come on. That's a, well, obviously right now times are a little tough, but uh, maybe one time in the summer, if you're ever back out in the Midwest and like Michigan area, just swing by, let us know. Yeah, no, that'd be great. I'm, I think I'm actually going to be out there, uh, in the summer for a wedding so maybe i'll slide down there on my way home cal like you're in the v6 2000 glove why can't you get out of it <laughs> well i mean i i went from uh the 5500 when i was in college to this and i mean i thought that was a big enough jump so i mean and this is something that's working for me and it feels good so you know if it's not broke i wouldn't fix it but it kind of sucks for you guys you can't keep pushing new gear on me <laughs> And then the you have the the V five seventy nine ninety blocker. I mean, I'm not gonna hate as long as like you said, if it's working, don't don't make a change, don't fix nothing. Uh, especially with that you know recent call up, it, it you know obviously what you got now is getting it done. So it's been good. Yeah, LA guys are kind of I guess when it's Quickie and I and um, uh, Jack Campbell when he was there. I mean, you guys probably rolled your eyes coming out, <laughs> never getting the new stuff. 
never because <laughs> everyone's like you wouldn't believe the amount of kids that dm still uh they'll dm the von instagram and we'll pull it up and hey what does john quick wear what are the specs on his pad you know is that the v9 and we're like oh we'd like to tell you it's a new pad but uh yeah. no v4 <laughs> yeah yeah it's actually 12 years old it's so old um but hey whatever gets it done i mean he's had a, an incredible career obviously so it's yeah. working for him um now, this brings up something interesting. I saw as of late, you guys are in a little uh, dog vote competition. How's TP40 doing? Uh, he's doing good. He's doing really good. Um, he likes the attention. I'm trying to let him know how he's doing. I'm actually going against um, my roommate's dog, um, Matt Luff. So it's uh, it's kind of funny that they kind of matched us up against each other. But Uh-oh. Um, yeah, to, yeah he, he's my family dog um i don't have one of my own yet uh so i'm kind of using him or whatever for a little bit of clout hey whatever it takes to get that clout man so is this gonna be when you go back to la is this gonna divide the house i don't know i hope it doesn't but it's coming down to the wire right now and i think his dog won it last year so it'd be kind of nice if uh oh so some some heavy favorites maybe going to yeah tp40 is a real underdog right now let's see an upset yeah, on paper he's an underdog, but I think by looks he's he should be the clear favorite. He's a pretty handsome, good boy, that's for sure. Now, how does he handle a, a fishing boat there? He does good. I mean, that was actually one of the, the more calm times he is, probably because <laughs> we weren't catching any fish. But when the fish start climbing into the boat, he gets pretty crazy and tries to attack them. But I think that's just you know his instincts taking over, trying to help out. Yeah, anything anything that moves near its owner, you got to kill it. Yeah, exactly. He's got the he's got the Labrador Fever genes, and (laughs) it's hard to turn off. But I wanted to ask: you guys had the outdoor game at six thousand feet above sea level. How wild was that? It was really it was it was really cool. First off, just kind of the whole experience. Um, You know, Colorado Springs is somewhere I have a lot of family from there. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, so that was somewhere I actually go um, for Christmas every year um, oh, sweet. with family. So it was kind of a really special thing and um, uh, was able to, you know, share it with family and, um, you know, do the family skate and all that. It was it was a really special thing. And then, you know, on top of it, obviously, you're playing at 6,000 feet and in front of the mountains. So, I mean, the, the whole setting couldn't really get any better. That's pretty cool. Now, when you look back at that, because I kind of like – I put it in my own words where, you know, your family's been pretty dedicated through this, right? You said you would used to drive, you know, for practices alone, three hours to get to Minneapolis or St. Paul up in Minnesota. Then you were living away in Chicago. So when you're on that stage and you have your family around, is it kind of surreal when you're, you know, your mom, your dad, and everybody looks around and said, oh, like you made it like this is, this is everything we wanted for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were just talking about it last night, actually. I mean, just kind of reminiscing on, the year so far and I think everybody agreed that was kind of a you know sort of a surreal coming full circle moment you know where you know you're kind of everywhere you want to be at that moment in time and um you know they they had a tremendous amount of sacrifice for me to you know be able to to reach that goal and to share that with me so I wanted that to be just as special for them and recognize you know how much they did to to make something like that happen too. So um, I think they, they, I think they definitely had a good time and, and uh, 
hopefully it was just as special for them as it was for me. Absolutely. Just because, I mean, when you think about the listeners, there's people that are going through the process now that are going through stuff like that. So to be able to kind of see your, what you've been through and how you've gotten to the show, it's, it's pretty cool to kind of put that in that perspective. Um, and with that being said, looking at like the nostalgia of everything, if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice as a young goalie that was, you know, maybe U12 is trying to fight through it and going through games and, you know, looking forward, what would that advice be? Um, I mean, I think for me, I mean, one of the things that made me successful is just, you know, taking the fundamentals and, and continuing to be as good as I could, whether that was skating or trying to catch pucks. And, you know, I never was um, trying to, you know, do something out of my, you know, toolbox, I guess. I think, you know, the foundation kind of whether, like I said, it's skating or movement or tracking pucks or making, you know, just standard glove saves, learning how to catch the puck, I think is something that's kind of drastically overlooked um, at a youth level. And um, I think people kind of try and rush through the curriculum a little bit and try and work on things that, you know, the pros are working on. And I think if you don't have that foundation, you're not able to, you know, pick up those, you know, traits and techniques as fast as, you know, if you would have dialed the fundamentals. So, I mean, I would, I would say for me, I mean, just continuing to, you know, to be patient with it. I mean, I was never, you know, the best goalie by far growing up, you know, when I was 12 to 16 or 17, I was just kind of, you know, trying to get better every day. And, there was definitely people above me on the mountain that I was trying to catch. And I think when you just keep your head down and, you know, work on your craft and try and be the hardest working guy and work on all the little things, you know, you're able to kind of look up and there's not as many people in front of you anymore. For sure. Stay focused, right? Yeah, exactly. So going back to the catching point you made, you're a, you're a full right guy. So growing up, did you, was that cause you played baseball maybe and caught that way or how does how do you become a full right goalie? Yeah, I mean, I just, um, you know, when I grew up, uh, when I first started playing like baseball, I think I got a, a, a mitt on my left hand because I think, you know, my parents just obviously assumed I threw with my right hand and, you know, I was throwing like balls. a normal person. Yeah. And I was throwing balls and I think <laughs> I wasn't, you know, I was just, I was pathetic. And I think my parents were like, Oh, what's going on? Like her kid has no athletic ability. And then, so, you know, I was, uh, and then I think it was, my mom was like, I think he's left-handed. So they, we switched and got me a different glove and I was able to whip it around a little bit. And so uh, the kind of rest is history. It's weird though. I mean, my, both my parents are like, do everything right-handed, right-footed. Um, and then I throw with my left hand, but do everything else, right hand, right foot. And then my sister's fully left-handed. So it's oh. kind of a weird, weird combination in our family with all that. That's too yeah, funny. I mean, it, it worked out in the end though. So yeah, turns out you do have some athleticism. Sigh of relief after that. <laughs> um, now, since we're all about the same age, I'm a 93. Uh, you're a 94. Cal, Cal, what year are you? 98? Yeah, I love, um, I love bringing this up every time. I, I think it's <laughs> – sweet. <laughs> I think it's a fair question here, Cal. Um, who is one of your favorite goalies watch growing up? And you don't have to say quickie. <laughs> um, I would probably say, I mean, I still have a fat head of Marty Brodeur on my wall in my room. Um, okay. You know, him, Patrick Waugh, those were kind of the two guys that, 
I really liked watching. Um, you know, I mean, those guys were, you know, superstars, obviously, back then and winning Stanley Cups and setting records. So, I mean, I was – I was A couple of Hall very, of Famers, too. <laughs> yeah, very enamored with those guys. And, um, you know, I, and then kind of growing up, you know, the guy that I've always tried to emulate a little bit was, um, you know, Tuka Rask. I think we kind of have pretty compatible um, – you know, ways that we play and he's another bond guy, but, you know, as I was going through the draft process and they were talking about, you know, what goalie do you think you play like? He was kind of a guy that um, I always kind of gravitated to, um, you know, with his ability to, to skate and move and, you know, it was just so solid down low and had that athletic ability um, tied all into it. For sure. Now, have you ever snapped uh, snapped a stick over the crossbar like he has? <laughs> I've definitely broken my fair share of sticks. <laughs> Since they're composite now, I, I get in a little bit more trouble if I do. So I try and keep yeah. it to a minimum. But back when it was uh, back when it was just those foam core wood sticks, those things could blow apart pretty easily, and then you'd have some firewood. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> or you're making chairs in the backyard. Yeah, exactly. You can sell so, it to somebody. Oh, my bad, my bad. I was gonna ask when you're growing up in in Waterloo, what NHL team do you root for? Um. You know, it was really kind of anybody. I mean, I really didn't have one team where I was kind of solely, you know, sold on. I mean, I went to a couple Minnesota Wild games growing up um, when I could. Um, you know, went to some Chicago Blackhawks games when I was playing minor hockey and living in Chicago. Um, so kind of I was that, you know, little mini area, I guess, where there's kind of not a huge foothold when it comes to hockey. And then I think, you know, probably a vast majority of the town here, you know, doesn't even know that there's somebody that plays in the NHL in their town. Um, <laughs> so it's, you know, it's just surprising, obviously with the climate and the long winters and having the Blackhawks here, but um, you know, it is, it, that part is kind of nice, but there's not a, a huge NHL foothold here in town. I mean, that kind of makes sense though, but with, with having Waterloo there and the Blackhawks, you'd think that, that would kind of grow your hockey popularity and create some more fans, but kind of one of those way she goes moments, but. Yeah. I mean, I think the Blackhawks are very popular, but um, you know, and I'm sure they fall, you know, the people that go to those games religiously, you know, definitely follow us kind of all the way up. But mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. in terms of kind of a general hockey knowledge, I don't know how far it goes. For sure. For sure. Now uh, this year uh, I wanted to jump into something we kind of already breezed over, but after a few trades and everything like that, you were called up to the Los Angeles Kings in the NHL. Now, you did have a few games the year before, but this situation, obviously, after the trades is a little bit different. Did you walk into the room and into the situation with a different mindset this time around? Or are you kind of just taking it as you would normally and not trying to overthink anything? Yeah. Um, you know, the thing that kind of worked for me when I first got called up um, last year, you know, it was just kind of taking it day by day. And, um, that was kind of my motto coming in here too. I mean, I knew this was kind of more of an extended, um, you know, or possibly permanent call up and, um, but I didn't want to get too, you know, too far ahead of myself. I just kind of wanted to, you know, take each game and each period and each kind of five minute segment and, you know, try and, showcase myself as good as well as I could and try and win as many games as I could down the stretch. And, um, I thought that was the most important thing. And then obviously you get, 
you know, confidence with each game that you play well. And um, so, yeah, I mean, for me, it was just, I think kind of taking it day by day and not trying to rush things and, um, you know, taking full advantage of the opportunity because there was, um, you know, a pretty hard uh, kind of gap in between call-ups where, you know, you kind of sit waiting every day, waiting for the next call-up or when they're going to make a move to get your next opportunity. So I wasn't going to uh, let it, you know, go to waste when I finally got it. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Um, and then you had – you had uh, Maddie Millar in Ontario and then obviously Billy with LA. Did those guys kind of, because you guys are, you know, practicing out at the Toyota uh, sports center, do those guys kind of help guide you as you were making this change? And as this was happening, they kind of lay the groundwork for like, all right, Cal, this is what you have to expect kind of thing or. Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing is, I mean, they, you know, weren't really there to, to hold my hand through it. And that's kind of what I wanted. And, um, you know, Maddie was great when I was in Ontario and, you know, helping me stick to my game and, you know, making sure I continued to, to work on a game that translated well to the next level. And, um, and then, you know, when I, when I got to the Kings and I was with Billy, I mean, he was, you know, obviously one of the best in the league and, um, you know, he's just good at kind of recognizing small things that make your life a lot easier, small little tweaks, um, you know, that, that helped the game kind of slow down and help you prepare better for, for different situations. So I think that helped, um, helped a lot, you know, having kind of best of both worlds with those two. For sure. Now, have you seen, uh, have you seen Billy skate at all recently? Like as a goaltender? Yeah. Like get dressed full equipment. Yeah. Actually the first day I got called up, um, I got, I got into New York the day of the game and, um, Quickie was playing that night, obviously. And we have some, optional pregame skates usually and uh so I was jumping on the ice and since Quickie wasn't skating Billy came out there too so he was uh he was able to show me his stuff and he had the sick Vaughn pads and um yeah the defibrillator on the bench just in case but he, <laughs> he made it through and uh you know made a couple saves so he's actually uh he's actually you know surprisingly or not very limber in there for for his age did he show you any of the uh, the toe up blocker windmills? <sighs> he didn't show anything like that. I think he was worried about throwing, you know, separating his shoulder or something. He was, <laughs> he was playing a little bit more stand up style than you know maybe he even did when he was uh, playing for the Oilers. Hey, I mean, it just shows how key positioning is, right? So then he can get off the ice and be like, Kelsey, that's how you do it. All you got to do, you got to be able to skate and get in the way, man. That's all it yeah, is. <laughs> exactly, exactly. He got done with the skate and then you know, was able to bag me pretty good with the other scratches. So that was nice of him. <laughs> good guy. Good guy. Yeah. What would you say has been the biggest adjustment going from uh, Ontario to LA? Um, you know, there's some kind of, you know, minor things. Obviously the game is a little bit faster, a little bit more crisp um, in the NHL, but um, there's definitely less breakdown. So, I mean, I think you, you know, can kind of trust your positioning a little bit more and, and don't have to use your athleticism as much um, as maybe in the AHL. But, you know, it's just those guys can hit um, corners that, you know, a normal AHLer, you know, wouldn't be able to hit. And so things might move a little quicker, you know, and guys might have an ability to make a little bit better shot. Um, but there's just a little bit more structure, um, I would say, um, you know, when you go up with the Kings and in the NHL and, you know, a few less breakdowns. So it, 
it kind of helps with a little bit more straightforward of a game um, than sometimes the AHL when it can be a little chaotic. For sure. A little bit cleaned up. I mean, it is the national, so yeah, <laughs> something <exactly>. you could expect. <laughs> um, now, I know as a kid, you were a bit of a Harry Potter lookalike. Did you ever audition? <laughs> I did not. I did not. I, I would get stopped a little bit when I was, I was really young when it first came out. You know, with people saying, "Well, you look, you know, you look just like the Harry Potter guy and stuff like that at the grocery store with my mom." But um, it's weird. I mean, I, people thought I looked like Harry kind of growing up, and when I got to college, um, people thought I looked like Draco Malfoy. So I'm kind of running through the whole entire cast. I'll probably end up looking like Dumbledore eventually. Are you you a big Harry Potter fan then, or not at all? Uh, actually, not a big one at all. I was I kind of. You know, people had to show me pictures to understand the references. Um, but <laughs> maybe, maybe with this quarantine, I'll have a chance to to catch up on my reading. Well, maybe not even the reading, but you can just watch the movies. That's those yeah. are the easy ones, right? Sure That's where all the entertainment is. Yeah, I'm sure there's a marathon on somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, now, being from Waterloo, it I think Adam Devine's from there. The guy from Workaholics, right? I, I is he? I didn't know that. Oh, well, see, I was, my next question was going to be, how tight are you with Adam Devine? But uh, clearly <laughs> no, not too I tight. Didn't, I, didn't know that. I know, I know Workaholics is filmed, or it's, its setting is in Rancho Cucamonga, which is where the Ontario Rain is. Oh, and yeah. Where, yeah, I lived when I was there. So there was that connection I always knew about. Huh. Too funny. Um, now, you mentioned earlier you got all the beaches where you live because you're closer to the water than you are the city now. What's your favorite beach? Well, I live in Manhattan Beach, um, so that's kind of the one that I use. There's a really nice pier, and you have Hermosa right there. So yep. Hermosa is a little bit more for the nightlife. Um, their pier is a little bit, you know, kind of more active with some bars, and um, Manhattan Beach kind of has the better restaurants. And um, But, you know, they're both world-class beaches. You know, the, the only thing is I think people kind of think L.A. is – got a tropical vibe but you know the water gets really really cold in the winter there yep really <laughs> there's not a lot of days that are over you know 65 degrees um temperature wise so no uh, way okay. yeah i mean in the winter it's not as uh it's not as tropical and as nice as people think but it definitely beats snow yeah it definitely beats living in the midwest through the winter Exactly. <laughs> so with you going to the beaches all the time, I'm, uh, I'm guaranteeing that you're uh, a surfer guy for sure now. So what's the gnarliest surf trick you can do? <laughs> I've only tried surfing a couple times. Um, you know, the one day I went out there, the waves were a little bit too crazy for me. And, uh, you know, I would go out there and I'd try and catch a wave and, and get dummy to barrel. And then, I would, <laughs> and then it would take me 25 minutes to paddle through the waves to get back to try and catch another one that I'd barely get up on. So it's, it's something I've kind of pushed off a little bit and it's so tiring. It's, it's, you know, you get done with practice and you're like, man, I just want to lay in bed. Yeah. Um, but you know, I guess it would have been something I could have tried right now with the quarantine, but I think they shut down the beaches and stuff there. So I guess those waves are untouched yeah. right now. So what, what are you doing to pass the time then? Are you into video games or? Um, I mean, I play a little bit. I'm not a huge video game guy. Um, I just started a Lego that I bought. Um, Lego, yeah, 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 try and keep the mind sharp. Um, you know, I have a little, (laughs) I have a little, you know, a couple things that I've been able to try and do to stay in shape a little bit. Um, uh, but it's just obviously with the 
uncertainty with the rest of the season. It's, it's, it's odd. Um, but yeah, I mean, mostly just kind of staying inside, you know, there's not a ton to do in Waterloo to begin with. So it's, it's not bad just being able to hang out with the family and spend some nice time with them. Yeah. You get to spend that quality time and just hang out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, we're trying to take advantage of it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, as kind of crazy as time it is, it's, you know, and also not a bad time to be with the family. What, uh, what Lego set you building? Are you building the uh, Millennium Falcon or what? <laughs> I have some, some race car I'm building. It's like, I don't know, like 1500 pieces. So it's going to take hey. a couple of days, I think. But is it like the formula one car? Or? I think it's like a Porsche race car. So Ooh, yeah, sick. so that would be kind of fun. And, you know, something to take my mind off things, you know, as long as my dog doesn't eat any of the pieces or anything like that. Yeah, you're going to get to the end and you're going to be missing like two. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be full bag. <laughs> oh, man. So I guess we'll see how that goes. I'll keep you guys updated. Oh, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll maybe do a little live stream there once you finish yeah. it. Yeah, I'll send, I'll send you uh, me putting my last piece on. Maybe that's the next <laughs> Instagram challenge that gets sent out. The Lego challenge? A little Lego challenge, yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll have to put it. have to get it started. The time lapse of me doing it. <laughs> um this is a two-parter one do you believe in aliens two if yes do you believe they're friendly that's tough um you know i don't know if i believe totally in aliens yet um i definitely like watching those alien conspiracy shows um i think uh you know it's equally as frightening whether you're the only person in the universe or there's somebody else out there um but I don't know. I mean, I think just humans in general are extremely complex. So, I mean, I feel like it's hard to replicate, but um, I mean, I'll be the first person to say I'm wrong if an alien pops out here. <laughs> have you seen uh, Have you seen the Bob Lazar Netflix documentary? I have. I have. Um, I that watched didn't, a that bit didn't convince it. you? I don't know. A couple. Some of it's pretty far-fetched and a little bit. Man, crazy, oh, I, I don't know. There's some things that you know, I definitely think are weird. Um, you know, I think there's some things that our military probably does that, you know, are a little bit further away than what people think our military is actually doing. So exactly. A lot so, of sweeping under you, the rug. Have you seen yeah. it? Have you seen it? No, I haven't, but oh. I'm a huge alien guy. Well, I believe Dude, in conspiracies. I, I, think I watched fun. it. I watched it. I must, I probably had tinfoil on my head as soon as like, <laughs> the thing ended. I'm like, they're real. They're coming for me. They're, they're on their way right now. <laughs> they know where I live. <laughs> Oh yeah. man, that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> now, how many balloons, Cal, do you think it would f- take to fill up your home in LA? How many balloons? Yes. Like standard size birthday <laughs> balloons? Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll say. We'll go standard size. Um, Regulation. Jeez. Did you say a balloon's a square foot? Yeah, <laughs> roughly. Yeah, I'm trying to even think what square footage. I don't know. I would say probably, jeez, I don't even know. 3,000 maybe? Okay. Okay. We're going to hold you to that. 3,000 balloons. We're talking floor to ceiling. Right, Ev? Yes. Yeah. Like fill up the entire house. Do you think that's a low number? I I think it's a little low. I think it's here's what I'm thinking. Like, like I mean, you guys have a reference point for all this, or is this just a just a standard question? Oh, no, there there's a right and wrong answer to this. <laughs> <laughs> there's an answer key. 
Not you didn't you didn't give the answer we were looking for, but anyways, um, we'll take so it. Who, <laughs> yeah, ne- maybe you'll get this next one. Who is your top friend on MySpace? My top friend on MySpace. Jeez, I don't. I don't even remember. I have no idea. I don't even remember. I had MySpace for I think a grand total of like a month. When my parents let me have it or something like that. That was, Big pretty, MySpace early. Guy. That was pretty early in my career there. <laughs> Big MySpace guy. Okay. Um, and now last one here. Cal, imagine you're stuck on an island, one palm tree, sand, maybe some small oasis, but you're with your best friends. Who of your best friends is least likely to survive? Um... Who are my best friends? It would definitely be a guy with a girlfriend. Um, Why is that? I don't know. I I have one of my buddies, Sean Walker in LA. He's pretty committed to his girlfriend. And I think, you know, she's down every, you know, a couple times a month. So if he has to spend any extended time away from him, I don't know what he'll do. He'll try and try and swim off and fly down the ship or something like that. So you would probably be the guy out there first. That's the guy fully committed to the relationship. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm jealous of him. Can't All right, blame I'll, him. I'll, Ev, I want to follow this up with you. Let's say uh, you're on this desert island now. Are you are you swimming off back to your girl? Um, you know, if there's resources, I'm probably not <laughs> going to swim. Uh, mainly just because I'm probably not going to make it. I have a big fear of sharks and deep water. Um, I swim, I can swim and I like going swimming. I like going to the ocean and beaches, but I have a huge fear of sharks eating me and getting caught in deep water. So I would probably definitely stay on the Island. Okay. Hopefully she's not listening. Uh, She'll hear it eventually, but you know, we're just going to have to bite that bullet when that time comes. So, (laughs) so Cal, um, do you have anything you want to plug or anything you need to bring up camps, anything like that for summer? Um, nothing yet. I mean, obviously with everything kind of up in the air, I think we're going to wait to see what, you know, the future holds with the rest of the year. Um, you know, hopefully be able to come back and finish out the rest of the season and, you know, jump out in front of the fans a little bit more. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was, you know, like I said, um, I'm a Vaughn guy through and through. I always try and push your guys' gear whenever I can. And you're a beauty. Chirp, chirp guys that don't use the gear so um you definitely have a lifelong guy in me that's awesome cal well we can't wait to have you out for the uh have you out for a tour at the factory um we do want to say thank you so much for taking the time to kind of chat with us and just go through what your career has been like and everything like that i learned a lot and this has been a lot of fun um but thanks again and we, wherever this does pick up we want to wish you good luck yeah, well, thank you very much for having me, guys. I appreciate it, and uh, stay stay safe out there. Watch yeah, you me. too. Thanks for coming on, and good luck with that Lego build. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> it. I'll send you guys a, a final product whenever that happens. All right, I, I'm, I'm looking out for it. So, Thanks to Cal Peterson for hopping on with us. Uh, we had a great time. Hopefully you did too. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll maybe see the NHL back in action soon. That's what the rumors are circling right now. So we'll just wait and see. Update, the AHL did get canceled if you're still listening to this and you didn't know that. Fun fact. Um, It'll be crazy to see what happens with Cal moving forward. Like, I can't wait because he's in that role where it's like they're definitely, if he finds success and he finds his footing, they're grooming him to be the guy. 
Yeah, so. yeah. And, I mean, I think right now it's fair to say he's kind of with the trade of Campbell to Toronto. I think he's kind of locked in that that backup role. Um, obviously, you can never get too comfortable, but um, as long as he keeps at the rate he's been developing and, um, you know, quick, he's had a heck of a career and he's, you know, I don't know how many years uh, he's he wants to play. So Cal's definitely looks looks to be the next guy in line there. Now, Kyle, I got to ask, man, I know you're deep down. You're so you're so connected to Jonathan Quick. You're probably his number two fan in the world. How does this make you feel? Honestly, with 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 Quickie leaving the game, or with with I mean, Cal this is, kind of... I mean, the way that you know you're reading the cards, right? Yeah, I mean, it's Keeping out. You got a vet, two time Cup winner, like Cal. They move Campbell because Cal's the younger guy. He can be number two, learn a little bit about you know adjusting to the NHL life and. You think Jonathan Quick's got to be the guy that teaches him? I think I think for me, it's it's more of just like, you know, he's a he is. I feel like he puts so many more things before being uh, an athlete. You know, he's a dad now. He's a husband. He he's got a family, and I think from everything that I've heard, uh, he's probably. I think he's looking forward to kind of taking a a little bit more time to put those things first obviously you know he's played in the league for quite a few years now and accomplished a lot early on um especially being a goaltender it's definitely harder when you get older and you, you know you're I think Eddie Lack said it when he retired like his body just didn't let him perform the way he wanted to and and he knew he could so I think for Quickie it's that it's that case of his style of play you know he that's not a style that's going to work when he's 40, you know, yeah. I think his, his knees and hips and groins are just, um, lower back. Exactly. You never, you never know. And, you know, unfortunately no one's going to play the game forever. So, Unlike um, me. <laughs> unless you're, unless you're Everett, uh, ripping up the roller rinks at age. Uh, I mean, I don't even honestly, but twenty five. What are you? 25? Ooh, twenty five sounds good, but twenty six. Kyle, 20, I appreciate wow. the compliment. Wow, did that brighten up my day? <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> looking good. Looking yeah, fun. you know, I mean, quick. He's he's maybe maybe uh, he we can hop on with him soon, and you can give him a few pointers on on how to stay uh, stay in the game longer. But yeah, you know what the best part though, when you talk about his lower back and his game, the way he plays, when you watch him make that you know backdoor save left to right and he's just like the way he extends his body and carries himself it's like there's no other human in the world that could do it it's disgusting but yeah Yeah, and that's the thing i i truly believe this i'll I'll say this before we go quickie when his body is a hundred percent is the what is the best goaltender in the national hockey league you look at the 2012 run his numbers I think they're the the best since like 1960 and the saves he made, he was not on a team that should have ever been in contention for a Stanley cup. I think they made the playoffs by a few points. They were the the eighth seed knocked off the one, two and three seed. What Um, did they call them during that? They called them like rats or what was it? They were cockroaches. Cockroaches. They were down. down Oh, three, I think twice. Or, or maybe one was down three to one. Like they, they were, they should have never even had a chance. But um, I mean, he just that year he had an ability to steal 
absolutely steal games and the saves he made. I mean, there were a few games where he was making 40, 50 saves, uh, like two on O's, two on ones, just stuff I've never really seen done um, in like the modern game. Uh, you, you know, you see a lot, a lot of the bigger blocking goalies who, you know, they, they can still make saves, but the saves he was pulling out were, I mean, it was just fun to watch. So it was so much athleticism, not just playing that structured, very, very calm game you see today. But to add, you know, Quickie had walked away with two Jennings, two Cups, two Stanley Cups, Stanley Cups, the hardest trophy to win in hockey, exactly. and then one Conn Smythe MVP. Yeah, and and it's tough, obviously, as a goaltender. A lot of it does uh, kind of lie on who you have in front of you, and um, obviously, well, yeah, it's definitely are, a team sport. They're going through a little bit of a rebuild right now, so it's not to say that you know he's done. Like I wouldn't say that. I'd say I'd say on the current team he has, it's tough. It's, it's not looking great, but I think around the trade deadline this year, there were a few rumors of, uh, I think, who was it? I, maybe Columbus or something. There were a few, yeah, a few teams I heard that it. were, that were goalie shopping and you never know what's going to happen. Um, or so, what happens in a different scenario with a team that might be on the verge, you know, do you exactly. does that spark a little fire and get the, get it going again? So I don't know. It'll be interesting yeah. to see. And yeah. I'm excited. Can't yeah, wait for I hockey can't, to come can't back. Can't wait for hockey to come back. Exactly. So. <laughs> well, if you're still listening, be sure to like, uh, subscribe, follow, uh, give us the rating on Apple podcasts, whatever you got to do and yeah. uh, be on the lookout for next week's uh, big pod. Definitely. See you guys next week. See you, Kyle. Thank you.